see, my problem wasn't, you know, drinking and doing drugs was a symptom of the real problem. The real problem was that I was poisoning myself with irrational negative beliefs. And it started when I was younger, just basically believing I wasn't good enough. You are listening to The Limitless Podcast. I'm your host, Deanna Heron. What if you had no limitations keeping you from your dream life? In 2016, I had a major tug on my heart to write a book about my story. And in the process, I learned that I had been operating with a very faulty belief system for the majority of my life. I've had a huge transformation since then. And my life's passion and mission is to teach you how to live a limitless life. Join me on this journey. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Limitless Podcast. This is Deanna Heron, your host. I'm super excited to be with you today, and I have a very special guest. Todd is someone that I actually met on LinkedIn, and he reached out to me. I was a guest on his podcast, and you sent me your book. And I started reading your book and I thought, oh my gosh, I need to have you on my podcast. So you guys are in for a treat today. You know, my mission and passion is first to help you know your truth because a man or a woman that knows their truth will become limitless in their impact. And I truly believe in what Todd is doing and has created an amazing impact. Our stories are parallel. Yeah which I love that about us, how I truly believe that was a divine appointment that we have had together. And I'm so grateful for LinkedIn for introducing me to several people that I just have loved being on this journey with. So Todd, I would love for you just to share a little bit about yourself, your family, what you do, and then let's dive in to, I want to talk a little bit about your book. Yeah, no, sounds great. Deanna, thank you for having me. And I, You know, it is an honor to be on your show. And just like you said, the feeling's mutual. I really respect the way you carry yourself and you've been through a lot in your life and how you've overcome it. So I'm just grateful that we get to share and help each other and more importantly, help our listeners who are listening in. So, you know, I'm I'm married. I've been married for 30 years. I have four children. I have two grandchildren and they are just amazing to me as, you know, most of our families are, you know. You know, we're not perfect, but boy, you know, they truly are what makes me happy and to be able to hang out with them. You know, I, as you mentioned, I I had an addiction problem for about 10 years. I started when I was 11 years old. It got worse as time went on, as they all, as it always does. I've been clean now back on August 5th for 33 years. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) So that really uh, ages me a little bit, but, uh, (laughs) but I've been doing this a long time and I remember when I finally knew that I was done, you know, doing drugs and drinking and all that and all the criminal behavior, I wanted to dedicate my life to helping other people. And I've been doing that ever since. And, um, I would say my title, I would say is a mental fitness coach. I'm also a counselor at Wasatch recovery treatment center. I've been here for about eight years and then the, the mental fitness coaching, I've been doing that for about 30 years. And so, I'm fortunate to get to rub shoulders with people like yourself and I meet amazing people who are going through some really difficult things and watching them overcome it and change their mindsets and their belief systems is is really what gets me going every day. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. (laughs) I love it. So you had your first drink at 11. Yeah, I didn't get drunk or anything at 11. I just 
my dad had a wet barn in the basement and both my parents worked and so me and my little brother went back there and we would just sip on some of the stuff and I didn't like I said I didn't get drunk but I fell in love with the rush of it I knew I probably shouldn't be doing this but there was something about it I thought it was kind of funny at, at the time and, mm-hmm. and that just kind of opened up the door to everything else you know as as the years went on and and you know things got really heavy when I was about 13 years old is when things got kind of out of hand for me. And so you got sober at 21 then? Really young. Yeah, between 21. So it's funny little side note. On my 21st birthday, I went and bought a case of beer because I wanted him to ID me and go, hey, it's my birthday. I'm 21. And the, and the cashier didn't ID me. I'm like, you're not going to ID me? She's like, all right, I'll look at your ID. <laughs> so anyway, so it was shortly after that that I had some amazing experiences that changed the course of my life. Uh, which I mentioned in the book, and I'm, you know, I'd love to talk to him here if you want. But that's, you know, it was between those, uh, between that ages when I think when things started to change in such a profound way for me. Yeah, I'm so impressed that, and I know that that is unusual for anyone who has an addiction, whether it's alcohol, drugs, food, sex, shopping, whatever it is, to just have yeah. a ten year stint. So, yeah, yeah. That's incredible. So I want to talk to you about something that's in your book, and then we can lead up to those events that occurred. You know, one of the things that I really related to, I related to your book so much, but his book is called, you guys, I am recovered, which I love that because it's not, you're calling out your truth. I'm recovered instead of the typical I'm in recovery, which means we're there forever, right? Yeah, right. And so talk to me a little bit about I am recovered. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up because a lot of times recovered is a four-letter word in the recovery community and culture. And, you know, and I used to be in that mindset back in the day, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in recovery the rest of my life. I've got a disease. I've got something wrong with me and I'm powerless. And there was these things that I kind of bought into. And I'll be honest with you, I felt very you know, sad and depressed about those kind of things. And I just thought, is this really what I'm going to have to deal with the rest of my life? And, and, and so it was really, you know, really heartache for me. And so, but over time, as I started meeting with clients and helping other people, and I started to realize, you know what, like, I'm not broken. Yeah. You know, I've had a problem, sure, like everyone else on the planet. But I realized that, you know, what if I could actually be recovered? What if that what? Because if words matter, you know, sports science has proven that when we say something out loud, it's 10 times more powerful than, than what we think it. So if words really do matter that well, why can't I say I'm recovered? Because what I've found is a lot of times, you know, people in addiction will define themselves with their years in addiction. But I always go like when, when I was born to age 11 before I ever took my first drink, who was I then? That was the authentic me. You know, I was love, I was light, I was strong, I was brave, I was tenacious, I was forgiving. I mean, the list goes on. And then unfortunately, I got caught up, you know, having that drink and that led, you know, to the full-blown addiction that I went through. But why can't I define myself with that? Because isn't that who I really am? I lost myself, so to speak, in those addiction years. But the truth is, that's why I go back to, no, I'm recovered. I'm back to who I was before I ever started this. I get it that I'm not going to, you won't find me in the bar and I'm not going to, I get it. If I went back to drinking, I'm going to be right back into it. I'm smart enough to know that, but I'm also going to tell the truth. And I really do believe that I can tell myself and the world that I'm recovered. 
Yeah. And it's not no disrespect to anyone else, but why can't I say that? Why can't I have that mindset? And so I'll tell you, I've been teaching that to my clients for years and years. And I know I go against the grain, but I'll tell you, it's liberating. It's liberating. It's and, that, and that's actually the first thing that I noticed is you're calling it what it is. And yeah. the parallel, you know, of my book is it's the unbecoming. It's the yeah. unbecoming of the untruths to get right. back to that love that peace, that joy, that true divine that we were born. I mean, we, I was reading your book and literally got, <laughs> got chills and we didn't even know each other when, when our books, right. when our books were written. So yeah, I love this. One thing that you said in your book that I just, I highlighted with a little smirk was about the <laughs> sneakiness, the thrill of the sneakiness and yeah. just being a little bit of a rebel. And I think we all have a little bit of that in us, but the sneakiness okay. of addiction, could you, Talk about that because I, I think it yeah, just absolutely. is alcohol. So when I, you know, I, like I said, I took my first drink at 11, but when things got out of hand is when I smoked pot for the first time when I was 13 years old, I actually fell in love with it. I thought, man, I'm, I found this, I found this, I got high, I'm going to do this every single day. And I did, I was so naive. I had no idea the road that that would take me down. So that in itself is kind of sneaky. It's like, I didn't, I didn't see that creeping up on me. I thought, well, what's the big deal? I felt good. You know, I laughed and I thought, why, why would I want more than that? And, and, you know, my family, we never talked about these kind of things. You know, my mom was addicted to opiates. My dad is a drinker. And so we didn't talk about, you know, the harms and the, and the pitfalls of drugs and alcohol. And so I kind of just followed suit. And, but I, little did I realize what door that would open and so once I fell in love with marijuana, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to smoke this every single day. And, and I learned at a very young age, I had this all or nothing mentality and I was all in. I thought I'm all in. And that's when, that's when, like I said, things got really bad and it's just anything that came my way, I just started doing it and it opened up a whole nother world. But at the time, like I said, I had no clue that it was going to lead to a very destructive path mm. in my life. Yeah. And I think with any addiction, right, we, we innately know it's not good for us. Right. Um, and so there is a bit of sneakiness. For sure. That we, oh, yeah. yeah, that we have. I've even seen people with food that, you know, will turn their backs to eat. And it's how we are trying to manage those emotions, right? Yeah. yeah. And so what was the turning point for you? Well, yeah, so this is probably uh, going to take a, a minute to answer this, but I think it's important for your listeners mm -hmm. to understand. Mm -hmm. So basketball was my passion growing up in life. I, I, I knew at a young age that I wanted to get a college scholarship. I wanted to play in the pros, and I was obsessed with basketball. I would practice two or three hours every single day, and that was my goal. And I ended up making the, the team in my high school. Um, my sophomore year, I led the team in every category. We took first in state. My junior year, I led the team in every category. We took second in state. And then my senior year, I was team captain with two other guys, and we took first in state again. So I had this really amazing run. But by the time I was a senior, is I'm, you know at this point, I'm, uh, I'm an addict, complete addict. Everything's out of control. I'm doing cocaine. I'm doing mushrooms. I'm doing everything I can get my hands on at this point. And, and little did I know that this was really affecting my basketball. 
I mean, I walked around depressed. I had this voice in my head that was telling me, Todd, you're pathetic. You're no good. You'll never make it. No girl's ever going to want to be with you. I mean, some really horrible things. And I was actually really depressed and people were like, what is wrong with you? And so, but, but like I said, we took state my senior year and a week later I got offered a full ride scholarship. And so I achieved my goal despite the struggles I was still going through. And so I was like, I was so excited that I got this. It was my, you know, my childhood dream. And then after I graduated during the summer, I lost the scholarship because I was, I was, I was a complete mess at this point. And when the scholarship got taken away from me, I was so down and depressed that I just I had started having thoughts of suicide again in my life. And I ended up trying out at several other colleges and universities, got cut from every one of them. And then I found myself living in a home with five other guys. Uh, I was attempting to go to uh, school at the time, but I wasn't going to class. And uh, we were just drinking and partying. And I'll never forget, it was a Thursday and reality hit me in the face that, you know, basketball is no longer part of your future. And so it was in that moment when I planned my suicide, I was going to end my life. And, and so Friday came and I was going to head back up home to where my parents lived. And I, I knew where the gun was. I knew where the shells were and that's what I was going to go do. But instead, as I was getting ready to get on the freeway, I decided the, the, the university that I was attending was right by the freeway entrance and me and my friends would go sit at these tables for lunch. And for whatever reason, I decided to go in there first. I don't know why. I just had this impression. It's almost like a last goodbye to my friends. So I go in there instead of getting on the freeway, I'm still going to go home and end my life. I go and sit at this table and I'm just thinking about what I'm going to go do. And there was these two girls that would sit at our table all the time. They were, you know, two religious girls. I was, I didn't grow up religious at all. Matter of fact, I grew up anti-religion and, uh, I didn't believe in God, but I didn't, know enough to even say I could believe or not believe if that makes sense. But these girls, for whatever reason, I overheard them talking about fasting and prayer. I, I didn't know what that was. Honestly, I knew what prayer was. I had no idea what fasting was. I really didn't. And I didn't dare say anything while they were sitting at the table. So as they stood up to go to their class, I followed them. Wow. And I tapped them on the shoulder and I said, Hey, were you guys just talking about fasting and prayer? And they looked at me like, yeah, why do you want to know? Because they knew my stance on religion. I said, no, I'm really curious. Like, what does that even mean? And so they just go on to say, hey, in our religion, we fast once a month. So we go without food and water. We start with a prayer. We end with a prayer. And as they're saying this to me, I thought, what is the point? <laughs> I just thought, I honestly thought it was silly. And I looked at it and said, what's the point? And one of the girls, I'll never forget, it, looks me right in the face and says, if you want help from God, and I don't know how to tell you this, but I, I just felt this for the first time in my life. I thought, is God real and would he help me? And so, you know, to, to shorten this up a little bit, I decided to put it to the test. Instead of going home and ending my life, I went back to this house, the party house that I was living in. And the next day, which is now Saturday, I put myself in a teeny little coat closet and got on my knees and I asked God, if you're there, I need help. And for the first time since I was 13, I didn't wake up and smoke a bowl. I didn't pop a pill. I didn't have a drink. And I made it till about 11 a.m. or noon, I think, not very long, without food or water. And then the girl said, end with the prayer. So I'm back into that closet. I ended with this prayer. I just said, God, if you're there, I did this fast. I need help if you're there. And being naive, I thought, well, if he's real, he'll show up right now. And nothing happened. And I ended up getting wasted that night. 
And and I just thought, well, I still had thoughts of suicide, but it kind of kept me from doing it for whatever reason. And about a month later, I got a phone call from a friend of mine who I played basketball with in high school, who was now married, living his life. He was a good kid, um, a very religious kid, believed in God, had you know a man of faith. He calls me up out of the blue and said, hey, I need you to come over. Would you mind coming over and talk to me at my place? And I said, sure. I thought, oh, that was weird. Anyway, I go over there because we hadn't talked since high school. This has been a few years now. And he sits me down and starts saying all these good things about me. Like, you're going to help a lot of kids. You're going to do a lot of good in this world. You're going to make a difference. And I'm looking at and, and I finally, you know, you know how when someone pays you a compliment and you, you feel uncomfortable about it? It's because you don't believe it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't believe one thing he was saying. I finally stopped and said, hey, I appreciate it if you'd stop saying that. And I go, why are you saying this? And he says, you know, Todd, I was supposed to go to work today, but I, I stayed back because there's a message I need to share with you. And I could tell he's nervous. And I'm going, what was going on here? And he pauses for a long time and he finally takes his deep breath and he says, Todd, the Lord came to me last night and says, we need you on our side today. I don't know how to explain it, but I'll tell you what, I felt this feeling in me that I had never felt before in my entire life. I can describe it now that it was nothing but pure love. And I'll be honest with you, it even kind of scared me. Like, what is this feeling? And then I told my friend Rich, who shared that with me, I said, I fasted about a month ago for help. And he gets in my face and says, this is your help. And that just opened up this door to him um, getting me with a, a clergyman, trying to you know meet with him on a weekly basis, which I did from that point forward for the next year and a half, trying to work on things, trying to like you you know said before, you know off air that you know you think you're working on yourself until you really start putting in the work. You go, man, this is hard. <laughs> and this was before there was rehabs on every street corner. And this clergyman, this this man, this gentleman became my rehab. I didn't realize it, but this guy was my rehab. And I would use every single day still. I'm still struggling. And the reason why I'm leading up to this, because this is where the turning point came. Um, I'm a bartender at the time, which is not a good idea if you're trying to stop drinking. <laughs> right? That's not good. Well, as a bartender, I'd get tips from the waiters and waitresses and then anyone that would sit at the bar. And, and back then, you know, I'd get a lot of change, quarters, nickels, and dimes. And I'd keep these, all this change in the cup holders of my car, and I'd buy pot with it. I would fill my car up with it. And now about eight and a half months of meeting with this clergyman, and I'm still, I've made it three days clean in that eight and a half months. I'm still struggling. That voice in my head still going strong. You're pathetic. You're no good. You'll never make it. That kind of thing. And, and again, still feeling somewhat depressed, to be honest with you. Well, as I was leaving my neighborhood on a beautiful Saturday, you know, sunny day, and uh, as I'm leaving my neighborhood out of the corner of my eye, I see this little girl selling lemonade. No big deal. I just drive right on past. And then I had this impression come over me that said, turn around and give her all the money in your car. I thought, wow. I mean, I had like $40 in quarters, nickels, and dimes in my car. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do that. So I turned my car around. I pull up, I roll my window down, and I said, hey, how much? And she said, 25 cents. I said, I'll take one. So she pours it, hands it to me. I sit it on my dashboard, and I tell this little girl to cup her hands in front of her like this. And I just start scooping all this change in her hand. And this girl's freaking out. She's like, no way, no way. And I go, hold on, I got more. And it takes me like 10 scoops. I'm not kidding you. I'm scooping as much as I can, and eventually all of it. 
and the last scoop on her hands, she throws on her little table and she takes off into her house. And I'm thinking she's going to go tell her parents some dude just gave her a million dollars, right? And as I pull away, I start to cry like I never cried before in my entire life. You know, have you ever cried, and even to your listeners, have you ever cried so hard that you feel like you're cleansing your soul? Mm -hmm. This was one of those soul-cleansing cries. I literally have to pull my car over. I put it in park. I put my face in my hands, and I sob. And in that moment, for the first time, I liked who I was. I felt like I mattered. I made an impact on this girl's life that she'll probably never forget. And... I, it lit my soul on fire. Matter of fact, I've got this quote on the back wall in my office. It says, the most powerful weapon on earth is the human soul on fire. This lit my soul on fire. And that all or nothing mentality that I have kicked in. And I thought, if that little girl's there next Saturday, I'm going to give her all my money. And I do this every Saturday for the next two and a half months. I give her $25 and quarters, nickels and dimes, $30, $40, $30, 12 10 50 I mean, and I do this every Saturday for the next day. And every time I pull away, I just, I just cry. And, and that's when, towards the end of that, so it's been eight and a half months meeting with that clergyman, two and a half months after that. And that's when I knew I am never doing drugs. I'm done drinking. And I'm going to dedicate my life to helping kids like her. Uh, uh, people struggle with addiction or it's anxiety, depressions, low self-esteem, suicidal ideations, just not feeling like they belong, you name it. I want to be that person. And that was 33 years ago this past August 5th. Oh, that is so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So beautiful. I feel very, very fortunate and blessed. So beautiful. We are called to something so much bigger than what we believe. And Mm -hmm. I had the same cry when I was in a bar at 21. I walked in to the bar with my friends who were still partying as a sober person. And I went to the restroom in the stall and said, God, I don't know who you are, but I need help. No way. And I walked out of that stall with a complete peace (laughs) beyond all understanding. And within, gosh, a matter of weeks, I had completely walked out of that whole party scene situation and um, went back to school. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, God is there. God is there. And... What an amazing story. First of all, that you followed the tugs. Yeah. Right? You didn't go to your house. You went to the university and then you followed the tugs. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. So beautiful. It blows my mind when I think about it, even to this day. Yeah. You know? So beautiful. Had I I not listened to that tug and went went to the the lunchroom (laughs) to sit with my friends, who knows? I probably wouldn't be talking to you today, honestly. Mm-hmm. So I'm grateful for those little tender mercies, those tugs, those, those you know, kairos moments, as the Greeks call it, the tap on the shoulder, say, hey, it's going to save your life. Go do this, mm-hmm. you know. Because, Todd, you are here for an assignment, a purpose, and there's a plan. Yeah. And because of what you went through for those 10 years, 
it created that mission for you, that passion for you, yeah, a calling for you. And I'm so grateful that I actually get to sit in your presence and just see mm-hmm. the divine appointment that you've had in the lives that you've been, you've been able to change. So obviously your desire is to help others, but it's, it's actually to help with their mindset. Yes. Did you, what was some of the, the mindset changes that you were able to go through in order for you to be where you are today? What were some of the shifts for you? Yeah, great question. You know, and I say to my clients to this day, you don't have a drug problem or an alcohol or, or a drinking problem. You have a thinking problem. Mm-hmm. See, my problem wasn't, you know, drinking and doing drugs was a symptom of the real problem. The real problem was that I was poisoning myself with irrational negative beliefs. And it started when I was younger, just basically believing I wasn't good enough. And, you know, you know, one of the things in doing this for 30 years, the, the three irrational beliefs I hear the most out of my clients in the last 30 years is I'm not good enough. I'm different. So I can't connect. And it's just who I am. These problems are too hard. I'll never change. Right. And so I hear those constantly. And those are the ones that I wrestled with the most. And just that everyone listening to this podcast right now can relate. We've all been in a place where we felt like we're not good enough. And that was so ingrained in me that it just caused me to just go, you know what, I'm going to do whatever I can. And, and really I working on that was the biggest shift is like, no, I am enough. I do matter. I can make a difference in this world. And, and really at that lemonade stand, as simple as that act was, you know, I learned in that moment that I can actually make a difference in someone's life. And, and just seeing this girl's little reaction, it's a simple little thing, but I'll tell you, that's when I'm like, you know what? I mattered enough to be able to help this girl in such a way that she wasn't expecting. So, you know, but so to me, the biggest shift for me in my mindset was going from, you know, I'm not good enough to, you know what? I'm more than enough. Mm-hmm. I do matter. I do have a purpose like you were saying. So that was the big shift for me. The other one was, You know, I was a really skinny kid. I mean, really skinny. And I knew it. But it got to a point where, you know, friends would tease me for being skinny. Even my own family members would. And so I had this belief that I looked funny. Mm. And I would walk around the school. If I heard someone laughing in the hallway, I'm like, yep, they're laughing at me. And so I had this body image issue of myself. Like, I look funny. And so I was obsessed with like, eventually like, I, I, I got to have muscles. I got to get big. I got to do all this. And, and so that was a really big one to overcome. And even to this day, when someone says that, sometimes it kind of like, Todd, you're really skinny, you know, not so much now, but it took me a minute to work through that one. And, but I really put in the work to just go, no, I love who I am. And I love the way I look. I love my body skinny or not, you know? And so those were the few major shifts that I had gone through that helped me. Well, it's interesting. I've never heard a man talk about the body image like that. That's yeah. because a lot of women have have those issues, yeah. right? I'm trying to find it in your page. So I underlined a lot in your book. But you talk about, maybe it was a quote. Let me see if I can find it. You talk okay. about how it's not what happened to us. Yes. And I can't, I can't locate it. Yeah, life happens for us. Yes, for us. Yeah, that was yes. it. Yeah. Yeah. 
and what a what a mind uh, shift that was. Because I used to think, you know, life is happening to me. Poor me. I lost my scholarship. No girl ever wants to be with me. I'm too skinny. You know, this isn't fair. So life is kind of like dumped on me. And I just thought life is just happening to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it was really painful. But it wasn't until my mentor back in the day who took me under his wings and said, no, life's happening for you, Todd. I'm like, what do you even mean by that? I didn't even know what he meant. It was so foreign to me. Mm-hmm. He says, what if everything you're going through is happening for you? And he goes, meaning, how can you point out things you can be grateful for because of because you're a drug addict? And boy, he really started working me through this process of me pointing out the good things that have happened because I was a, a addicted to drugs and alcohol. And at first I'm thinking, you're crazy. It's caused nothing but pain in my life. Mm. He's like, no, no. He goes, I know that. But I promise you there's some good things that have come from it. And so he helped me start just slowly start seeing that, oh, yeah, um, I actually have more compassion for people who suffer. I actually have a, a desire to help people in the addiction world, right? I look at people differently. I, I love more unconditionally. I have a closer relationship with with God, my higher power. I mean, and the list just keeps going. And so I started seeing these slowly. I'm like, oh, wow. I, I'm starting to see that this happened for me. You know, one of the things I'll tell my clients to this day or when I'm doing a speaking event, I will say, if I could go back 33 years ago and walk back up to my addiction and, and say, hey, addiction, and I say, you know what I would tell my addiction? And everyone's like, what? And I said, I would tell my addiction, thank you. Mm-hmm. And I'd give it a big hug. Mm-hmm. And you want to know why? Because I'm sitting here talking to you, doing this beautiful podcast with you. I mean, I would never know you. It's true. I would never, we would never have connected Mm-mm. had I not known. I had a drink at 11. You had, you started at 12. It, it's like, think about that. Like we would not even know each other had we not gone through the hell that we've gone through. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. I mean, that in itself, this is why I can see it now that it happened for me. And so I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but I wouldn't change it either. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I was, I was talking to my husband yesterday about the same, you know, the same thing is yesterday I celebrated six years sober and I said, you know, I wouldn't change. He goes, what would you, what would you do different? I said, I wouldn't do a thing different. I wouldn't do a thing different because who I am today is the rebirthing of my truth. And it has created such a desire and a mission and a passion to help others not just with addiction, but with their belief system. For sure, yeah. And we don't even realize that we're walking around with these false beliefs and we're not stepping into the person that God created us to be, period. Yeah, yeah beautifully said. And, um, you know, a lot of people, do, they do believe that only people who have an addiction have, have you know, faulty belief systems. We all Everyone have them. Knows. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I often will say this. Um, it's one of my mantras. Addiction is the wake up call to your greatness. It is. And you can replace the addiction with adversity. Adversity is the wake up call to your greatness. Mm-hmm. You know, look at what you're doing now. Look at all the good you're doing, Deanna, because of what you've been through. Look at the good you're throwing into this world. That never would have happened had you not gone through it. So 
this is your greatness. We get to witness it. I'm, I'm, I'm here witnessing it, you know, and all the good you're doing. That's so cool. <laughs> Just so amazing. cool. So cool. <laughs> your story, uh, you guys, <laughs> his story is so super powerful. Um, Thank you. I just love it. Recovered. So the book is I Am Recovered, A Simple Story of Overcoming Addiction by Todd Sylvester, S-Y-L-V-E-S-T-E-R. Beautiful, beautiful book. And I'm so glad you shared your, that story. Yeah, such, a, such an amazing wake up call. So I have some questions for yeah. you, if I may. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah. So what... What motivates you the most? I know basketball in the past was a huge motivator for you, but what motivates Todd today? You know, this might sound a little strange to your listeners, but I, I, you know, I used to have things that motivated me and, you know, and and, and that motivation is good. But what I've realized, you know, doing this for a long time is what, what really gets me going is knowing who I really am. Mm -hmm. And, and to be able to answer that question with conviction. Because if you were to go ask anyone on the street right now, hey, who are you? Most, if not all, will struggle answering that question. They'll, they'll stumble over their words. It's a, it's a tough question. But I can, I'm grateful, thanks again to, you know, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. But thanks to them that I can actually answer that question with conviction. And I like to answer that is, is, I am honest. I'm in, I have integrity. I am compassionate. I'm sympathetic. I'm accountable. I am uh, strong. I am brave. I am tenacious. I am understanding. I am forgiving. I am love. I am light. I am energy. And I believe that to my core. And I'll tell you, I know that may sound silly, but that's what gets me going. That's what gives me drive. That's what I'm trying to teach my, my clients because that's what they've forgotten. They haven't lost. They have forgotten who they are. And once they can get back in line with that, it is a game changer. So, um, yeah, I'll have to add in there my family and my kids, you know, just being in the hang with them motivates me, you know, uh, meeting amazing people like yourself and reading your book and, and listening to your podcast brings me motivation. And so, again, it's just about being, I don't know, vulnerable with someone like yourself. And that motivates me because we're connecting on a level that, you know, and, and, you know, we're, we're several states away, but here we are connecting with mm -hmm. each other. And it's really cool to mm -hmm. even that motivates me as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. such a difference maker, a okay. life breather, Thank a game changer. <laughs> and I'm so glad that you shared your truth because that was going to be the next question that I was going to ask you is <laughs> share, share with us your truth. And you just like set it with so much conviction and power yeah. and that's my heart and passion for others is to be able yeah. to say their truth with that kind of conviction and power. Yeah. Yeah. And then the thought of drinking or doing drugs or criminal behavior or something unhealthy, I have to ask myself, does it align with knowing who I am? It doesn't fit. Yeah. So it's an easy, it's an easy way to go. No, no I'm good. I know who I am. Yeah. I'm going in this direction. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> So what is your biggest achievement to date? Wow, that's a that's a big loaded question. It is. <laughs> um, you know, I would say the most important work I do is with my family. Mm. I would say being present there with my children and my family. 
you know, if you were to ask my children, what do they remember most of dad? They would say he took us on dates consistently. I would take each one of my kids on an individual date. And I'll tell you that connection is probably my greatest achievement. That my kids actually are proud of me. Mm, Yeah. Because I can answer that question a million different ways. And I think I've accomplished a lot, you know, and with all the things I've accomplished, none come close to, I actually have a healthy relationship with my children and they feel like they can share stuff with me. I mean, how cool is that? I, I just, I'm not saying I'm a perfect parent by any stretch, but I put in the work. I've tried to be there and connect with my children. So I would say that's my biggest accomplishment. What a great gift. And you guys, he just shared something that we can all incorporate into our life. I mean, we think about dating our spouse, but what about dating your children on a consistent, consistent basis? Yeah. 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 And you have four. So (laughs) it keeps you busy. busy. (laughs) Lots of date nights. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a great, great suggestion. And what an amazing achievement that you're making in your children's lives for generations. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Your happiest moment. What's your happiest moment? Wow. If I had to say one thing, boy, I would say the birth of my children is mm-hmm. at the top of the list. I, I would like to add when I figured out who I really am, mm-hmm. that was a, one of my happiest moments. It was so freeing. I wish I could describe that to the listeners. I don't know how to even put it in words. And then using what that taught me to share and give back to others. You know, there's a beautiful quote. I'm not sure exactly who said it, but it says, I tried to find myself. Myself, I could not see. I tried to find my God. My God eluded me. I tried to find my brother. I found all three. And I think I've been really good at trying to make a difference in my brother and sister's life. You know, and you're all my brothers and sisters, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's probably the happiest I am is knowing who I am, seeing the birth of my children and giving back to others. Yeah. You know, I I think I would second that as well is knowing your truth. It's like the gates of heaven open and you finally realize your purpose. Exactly. Yeah. And we realize it really isn't anything in the external world. It's what we can give. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And that's what I learned at the lemonade stand. Yeah. I gave all my money to this little girl and I got my life back. back. Are you, that it just blows my mind. Yeah. And I didn't realize it at the time, <laughs> you know, but that's exactly what happened. I gave and I got it back. You mm-hmm. give to get. Mm-hmm. It's just one of the most powerful, beautiful principles on this planet. It is. Yeah, it is. And you know, those limiting beliefs, those thoughts that we have about ourselves, they keep us in ourselves. Yep. And, you know, that's one of our greatest enemies, I believe, is being so tied up in ourselves. And in those false beliefs, they just keep us. Yeah. And the greatest thing we can do is get out and give in some way. Yeah. So beautiful. So how do you unplug? What is What are some of the things that you do? to unplug and to recharge because you're giving a lot. (laughs) You're giving to your family. You're giving to your clients. 
How do you yeah. unplug? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, this first thing is I was taught by my mentor 30 years ago. I call it my hour of power. I do it every single morning. Um, and it's where I connect with myself. I connect with God and I get myself aligned. You know, there's a beautiful statement that says, if you win the first hour of the day, you win the day. If you lose the first hour of the day, you spend the rest of the day looking for it. And so my goal is winning the first hour of the day. And so I do this hour of power and that kind of helps me unplug, believe it or not. No one's bugging me. The phone's not ringing. Everyone's still asleep. (laughs) The world's still asleep. And I get to do this and it's like, I'm telling you, I have these moments where I'm just like, oh my gosh, if people only knew what I'm doing right now. And then um, I love doing yard work. Mm-hmm. Um, yard work is therapeutic for me. I love just taking care of a yard. I love doing a big project. I love, you know, just making the yard look good and, you know, and just changing things up there. I love reading books. Um, and, and, and this is the funny thing. My kids will attest to this and they'll laugh because they always laugh. I love to watch sprinklers in the in, in the yard so when the sprinklers turn on i will literally go grab a chair and i sit and i just watch them and my kids are always like what are you doing like i'm watching the sprinklers <laughs> and i tell you it is for me i'm just like one i think water is an amazing thing first of all but just watching come out of sprinklers and just it's i don't know it's just a beautiful thing for me i've always been fascinated by water so that, those are some of the ways it's I, probably a meditative experience because they're for sure yeah yeah it's a good way to unplug yeah so what do you do in the morning what are, what are some of the things you do in the morning in your hour so i set my intent so i have an intent for the day i have a personal declaration that i've created uh, about my life that i read and it's, it's, it's a statement. Um, I declare it to God and the universe and myself. This is who I am. And then I'll spend 10 minutes imagining that declaration statement coming to pass. Mm-hmm. And then I'll spend 30 minutes reading this book called Mind is the Master by James Allen. It's all his inspired works. You see how thick this is? It took me six years to read it one time. And I'm going through it now a second time. And it is the most fascinating book. So I'll do that for a half hour. And then I'll turn everything off for 10 minutes and just sit in the silence. And then when I'm done with that, I spend the last five minutes of that hour of power. And I write a letter of gratitude and thank you to someone. And I put it in the mail to them and I give it away. That's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) So there there it is really quick. There's my hour of power. (laughs) That is precise. I love that. So what was that book called again? called Mind is the Master, the Complete James Allen Treasury. So James Allen's the, the famous for writing the book, As a Man Thinketh. Yes, yes. Which is, which is um, I've got one of the original copies here. Yeah. Uh, my dad gave this to me when I was in the height of my addiction. I did what every good kid would do. I threw it on the shelf and forgot about it. And then after I started getting clean and sober, I started reading this book and I went, oh my goodness, this book is unbelievable. So I'm a huge James Allen fan and that's why I got all of his writings in one book. So anyway. I love it. So good. So good. So many nuggets. I mean, I'm glad for for this interview for myself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, that's how I felt about yours. I'm like, dang, I got to be more like you. She's amazing. Oh, thank you. I'm just like, I'm just taking notes as, as we're talking. It's just been, um, so good. Good stuff. Okay. So last question I'm going to ask you is what would you do with an extra million dollars? I'd give it away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Without a doubt. 
because you know there's they did a study of philanthropists who give away their money that's their job to give away money and they interviewed a bunch of them and they all came back and said we cannot give away the money fast enough we give it away we'll give away two million we get five million donation we give away 10 million we get a 15 million dollar donation we can't give away fast enough and so i've learned the law of reciprocity when i give it away i'm going to get it in return and and really it's a, it's a beautiful thing. So I want to give away. I really would. I know people are like, yeah, right, Todd. You probably don't get me wrong. I would love to, you know, buy a boat and do this and take my family on a vacation. I would love to do those things. But man, if I could give it away to something that was larger than me that could help other people, I'm telling you, I really would because I know. Guess what? I get it in return tenfold. Yeah. And so, so I would probably double it because I gave it away. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so That's true. Right. So Do you know right. who you would give it to? What's that? Do you know who you would give it to? You know, you know, I probably lean towards you know uh, a, an addiction recovery foundation, maybe, just because that's been my world for so long. But uh, that's probably what I would do is help people with mental health issues or addiction. Yeah, 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 yeah. Me too. Amazing. Such a great interview. Thank you so much for, man, so many golden nuggets. So many golden nuggets. So how can people get get a hold of you? So I have a website. It's toddinspires.com. And um, they can get everything they need to from there. Um, I also on social media, I'm at um, at the at sign TS Inspires. Um, they can look me up on Instagram. They can DM me there if they'd like, or they can connect through me through my website and they can have links to everything I do and my books and all of the fun stuff and all that. I love it. So you guys, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing this amazing Tuesday uh, with Todd and I. Listen, if you've enjoyed this podcast, first of all, there's some golden nuggets in here for anybody um, who's on personal growth and development journey. But specifically, if you know someone who struggles with an addiction, um, send them the link of this podcast because what a powerful human we just got to witness and I'm so grateful for you, Todd. I'm so grateful in, in so many ways. And I just feel so blessed that God had divinely put us together. For sure. No, that means a lot. And I, again, this is an honor to be on your show. When you invited me, I was like, Oh my goodness, she's invited me on your show. I seriously was like, that is so cool. Um, so thank you. And I, I love all that you do. I would love to just continue to stay in touch with you. If there's anything I can do to help you with your cause, I'm For here sure. to do that. And, but again, it's been a, it's been a blessing to get to know you so much. I, yeah. I hope you know that. Yep. Likewise. I'm honored to have you as part of the limitless community. If this podcast has added value to you, I'm going to ask you to do two things for me. Number one, share it with your family and friends. And number two, go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review this podcast. Follow me on Instagram at Deanna Heron. I always love hearing from you. If you would love more about what's happening in the Deanna Heron world, you can go to DeannaHeron.net, subscribe to my email list, or even be a part of my private Facebook group. I look forward to seeing you next week. God bless you.